I think. This might this might turn into a fishing podcast one of these days. All right, let's get into yeah. it. Season two, episode 18, Stats of Matter, UFC 264 recap, and some football. Not football, mm. Tim. European football. Football, right. as the kids say it. The Euros, Copa America, they're finally over. We've got new champions. And we got to just finish this out. We're just talking again to the fans because apparently you didn't listen to our last PSA. In our cups this week, it's a lager from Richmond, Virginia. And a single? Double IPA? Eh, you know, double. The hoppiest of beverages from a place (laughs) that is not North Haven, Connecticut. I appreciate you for stepping out, Tim. Follow us on Instagram at Stats to Matter and Twitter at Stats Podcast. Find Stats to Matter wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Tim, let's get into the damn show. All right. <laughs> Since you're drinking a double IPA, clearly things are not going right in your life right now. So if you have the hoppiest of beverages, why don't you start this week of what's in my cup? Yeah, man. I decided to go back to the well a little bit. Um, one of my favorites that now distros, uh, you know, I've said it once before, but one of the the benefits, if there is some, uh, to COVID and the way things have kind of shaken out, some breweries that had only been uh, brewery release only have sort of branched out and now uh, are back doing some, at least some limited distro. It's what Trillium did back when they first started canning. They had limited distro. In fact, before they were canning, they were bottling. Um you could go to some package stores and find their entire lineup. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Equilibrium out of Middletown, New York. Uh, this is, this was for a long time, one of my favorite uh, breweries. Um, they don't distribute their entire line, but they do uh, all of their regulars. Then every now and again, they'll put out some of the, you know, sort of specialty ones or some of the, some of the, the, while well, not limited ones, but some of the more you know limited run ones. Uh, D Hop Thirty Three. This is another one of those where they sort of change it up periodically. Uh, you know, everyone's got their sort of experimental line that they use. This is theirs. The problem is it doesn't say on the can what variants or what version it is that they're using for this. So um, I'd have to do a quick Google search to figure that out. I'm going to see if I can. I've got it. Yes. We got it right here. Yeah. We have the technology on Untapped. You can't see All it. Right. <clears throat> our latest iteration in our experimental hop series, D-Hop 33 focuses on the effect of terroir on hop character. Starts with flaked oats and flaked wheat. Has Idaho 7, mm-hmm. Mosaic, and Citra in the Whirlpool, and a large dose of special New Zealand Cascade. New Zealand Cascade is a much more tropical fruit than its ubiquitous counterpart, Cascade. Mm. Vivid yellow mm-hmm. in color. D-Hop 33 has aromas of guava, dank grass. And I'm not going to keep reading this flavor profile because you have to give us a, a, a taste, Tim. Come on now. Jeez. Guava. Yeah, I, guess, I guess I see some of that. Uh, they're spot on with the color. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, it smells, it smells very, very fruity, very citrusy. Um, I do, you know, everyone's got their experimental line that they do the rotating hop line. This one sounds like they just threw, you know, the kitchen sink at it. Uh, those flaked oats are going to give it a nice smooth sort of soft mouth feel to it. So anytime you see that in there, those are going to be some of the more 
smoother, at least in terms of the feel on the palate. So that's something to look forward to, but give the sucker a try. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's weird. It's got like a like a subdued. I don't want to say watered down flavor profile to it, but it sounds it's it, it tastes a little bit like all of those hops just sort of muted each other out a little bit. Not any one of them comes through. And overpowers the rest of them. It does. Hold on. It does have it has a, a flavor I'm having a hard time putting my finger on. Wow, it's interesting. There's like a almost like a fig. I guess that's the closest I could probably get to it. Almost has like a fig flavor that's kind of creeping into it, which I don't actually hate. Uh, it's kind of fig isn't fig isn't it on, on the nose, but it's 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 probably the closest I can get to it. But in, I don't in, interesting. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, in in any event, none of the the hops that were listed uh, on Sam's little description really come through as overpowering. It's not super citrusy. It's not. Uh, it's not super bitter like you would get sometimes when you get into some of those cascades. Ah, man, it's tough one to put my finger on. Long story short, it, it's it's decent. It's not their uh, it's not their best double that I've had from them. Um, it's it is smooth. It feels smooth as you drink it, but there's not a lot that stands out in terms of flavor other than that sort of ambiguous. Like, what I can't even tell what that flavor is. I'll tell you after you give it a rating. Trying to hold. Is it more like raisins? Literally, it's got it's this it's like something I've tasted before, almost like uh, almost like bran, oat like bread. Like there's something in there that's got like a. Oh, you got flaked oats and wheat in there, so you're not yeah, you're not, you're, it's, an, it's, you're not off there. Like a like an oatmeal raisin, maybe like an oatmeal raisin cookie is kind of like what I get out of it, which sounds strange. I don't. <laughs> it's weird. Like you would think, given the 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 hops that they listed, it's going to come out tasting citrusy and fruity and all that. But I don't. I don't actually get. I mean, I get some of the citrus back in. I get some of the citrus bite that you get from all of these. But the 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 frontal flavor that that you kind of take away from this isn't any one of those things. Um, still a good beer. I'm gonna give it a a, a three nine. Um, yeah, it's it's just one of those. It's not like it's just unremarkable, if that makes sense. Like, is it, does it, it it doesn't taste bad? Uh, it is super smooth. Uh, it just seems muted across the board without that. Other than that flavor, I can't really put my finger on. This is very interesting because it, it should have notes of zippy blood orange, guava juice, passion fruit, lime. Melon nectar and my all-time favorite, grapefruit. Don't know where you got figs or raisins or raisins. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it's almost like no, no, no. It's almost like all those flavors kind of muted each other out. Like they just sort of offset each other enough. And I think the grain bill is what's coming through more than anything. Something could be. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I said, they all it has the citrus hints and it's got all the citrus flavors, but none of it's like I would 
turn and pinpoint and say, oh, this is, you know, any one of those particular flavors. It it tends it tastes like you took a you know bite of a fruit salad and and then stuffed a muffin in your mouth. It's kind of what it tastes like. It is supposed to taste Probably like pretty a, close. A citrus punch, yeah. So yeah, I guess, I guess so it makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I mean, it's good. I, whatever that that flavor, that I can't really put my finger on. I'm gonna say like not raisin bran, some sort of <laughs> like like bran raisin muffin is is kind of what it tastes like, and I and I don't actually hate it. I don't hate it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it was a long roundabout way to get there, but uh, yes, you know, so long. I'm now going to crack into my beer. There we go. <laughs> this is. Fighting Hokies Lager mm-hmm. by Hardywood out of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, a friend of mine, graduate of Virginia Tech, William. Shout out to William. Uh, he's he's a huge Hokies fan. So he found that they made this beer in a collaboration with the school, and he decided he was going to go find it. Then he went to a couple places. He found it, and he decided to buy the, the whole shelf out. So he had us over for you know, a, a party at his apartment, I think like the weekend before 4th of July or something like that. We went over there. Old dude's got a closet full of these beers. I had a couple. <laughs> and he said, hey, if you want to take some home with you, you can. I said, hey, don't don't threaten me with a good time. So I might have taken a couple six-packs out of there. And I might be drinking some of them tonight. Shout out to William. 5% <laughs> lager. Very, very cool. Very refreshing. The only thing I don't like about it, and I think this is a missed opportunity in Hardywood's part, this is a red stripe bottle. This is so tiny. I don't know how you fit 12 fluid ounces in this thing. It's like, it's a pony beer. That's what this looks like. Well, let's let's give it a try. I like oh, the, yeah. I like, the, I like the bottle. It's got the red stripe bottle. Like the red stripe. Hold it up again. Literally just yeah. said that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, re- rewind Let's... the tape. Rewind the tape. <laughs> I don't rewind the tape. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was I was looking through some of these uh, yeah, some of these other reviews. Pays attention to what I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking through some of these reviews to see if anybody listed anything similar, and several people said I like the uh, I, I like the the oat and wheat profile, but that it was lacking. So sorry, sorry I was caught up in trying so, to well, see. Hold on, you're actually on Untappd. Go ahead and check the beer in because you haven't used Untappd to check a beer in in forever and a day. So a we dog make sure age, you know. yeah. Yeah. All right. So go ahead. Uh, so nice bottle. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I I just think that because it looks like a uh, because it looks like a red stripe bottle. I I, I don't know. It's it's tricking me into thinking it's a red stripe beer, but it's not. I mean, it's it's a all day drinker. That's what this is. Uh, in case no one has mentioned it yet, it looks a little bit like a red stripe, which is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, <laughs> uh, all things considered, pretty good, pretty crushable. Three, three, seven. I like it. All right. I like it. All right. Those are the beers that we're drinking this week. Find them wherever you can. If you're trying to find these, uh, these fighting Hokies lagers, they're probably sold out. So maybe I'm bringing the whales this week, Tim. Limited edition beers. Boom. You hate to see it. Man, I'm looking at my beer list on Untapped and the amount of beers. I, the last check and I had, I did check in a beer March 31st of, of I, I went through and you could tell I, I added two of them because of this podcast. 
uh, and then it was June of 2020 before that. So I'm slacking. Like I said, you can't you can't look at my uh, at my untapped and 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 confirm my uh, my like or dislike for beer because uh, there's there's several hundred missing from that list. I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> well, those are the beers. Let's let's talk about UFC 264. You know, on the last episode of Sassy Matter, you were talking about this is going to be a good fight card, and I was boohooing the entire time. We made some predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, spoiler alert, our Connor predictions did not come true, but we're going to get to that here mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a second. Um, but I, I actually paid attention to a lot of the bout. Uh, the tweets were flying. I got to listen to the fight, actually, on, like, BBC Radio. So I didn't hear, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. Joe, um, Joe Rogan or, or DC, like, commentating on the fights, but I was keeping up with it. Couple things, couple things. Greg Hardy, LOL. Can can we stop hitting this dude in fights? I'm over it. I don't know what Dana and and the rest of the, of the folks at UFC saw. I'm over it. I don't want to see it anymore. There is nothing about this yeah. guy that screams mixed martial artist. Maybe he can make it in WWE. Maybe he can make it in Strikeforce or Bellator. I'm not sure. The UFC is not the place. And I nah. think. I think we've run the course of these. Oh, there were professional athletes in the NFL. They'll make great MMA fighters. Can we can we be done with that? Like there isn't anything that I've seen in the octagon that that proves to me that he should get another fight. Yeah, that was uh, first of all. There's and and I know uh, I I don't uh, I shouldn't say this, but. Um, there's never someone I've seen who's gone in that I've hoped to see lose more and maybe suffer some form of injury that knocks him out of the sport uh, more than Greg Hardy. I hate that man. And anybody who's watched him fight, you know, he was kind of a dick in the NFL and he just found a venue to kind of capitalize on that. And that is what he's doing. And it is obvious that he doesn't know what he's doing. He just thought, I like to fight. I like to hurt people. Let's make this work. Um, I, full disclosure, didn't even see that fight because I watched the walk-ins. I looked away to check email, and when I came back up... uh, It was over. It was over. Yeah. Yeah. I was drinking out of uh, shoes already at that point on the top of the fence line. Like, it was was so... It was great. It was great. Greg Hardy lost. The fight was over quick, so we, we got to, you know, we kept it moving. And then he's drinking beer out of people's shoes on the walkout. And did someone put hot sauce in a shoe with the beer? It foamed up and he drank it like a champ. But everyone yeah. on Twitter, everyone was was just taking videos of themselves, pouring beer into their shoes. Nice shoes, work shoes, boots, athletic shoes. Yeah. Drink a beer out of it. It reminded me of something like of a college sports team tradition. Yeah. But I'm, I'm a very big fan of it. Very big fan. Walking out to Spice Girls, also amazing. Singing it the whole time. Like, that dude is such a character. He has so much charisma that if nothing else, he's going to go on uh, and he will have a a successful career if for nothing else other than just his his personality alone. But um, talk about poor decision-making. For every one of those fans who gave up their sneaker to chug a beer out of, that has to then sit in the stands with a wet shoe for the rest of the night. <laughs> and, you know, most of those guys probably went on and partied. It's Vegas, right? So yeah, most yeah. probably went yeah. on and, and partied afterwards. So you're literally walking around for the rest of the night with a wet shoe. 
that smells a little bit like beer that's never going to come out again. And probably uh, the got... least dirty of the things they might have done, hypothetically. It's Vegas, and, uh, so we'll never know. But uh, there is there are few things in this life worse than wet shoes, um, and to be walking around Vegas with one of those, uh, I mean, good form for being in the moment, good for them. But I mean, athlete's foot in your throat sounds equally as terrible. So <laughs> can't put any foot spray on that, can you? Ooh, uh. <laughs> can't be oh, on that. Nope. Oh, wow. Jeez, we had to to take it there. You could. We're going to go ahead and move on. So speaking of (laughs) fruit salads, this next bout that we're going to talk about, Sugar Sean O'Malley, Chris Patino, one of the greatest memes I saw before the fight was them at the weigh-in where they were staring each other down with their fluorescent colored hair, and the caption said, look, two people at your local vape shop. And I I, I tried hard not to laugh, but, I mean, that's, that's kind of what it was. You got to explain the best one. The best one was actually the best one was the one that was uh, look Sean O'Malley, and then the version that you would get from Wish. <laughs> oh no! Oh man! What you thought you were getting, what you actually got? Uh, you know, because it's, it's the same. They both have similar chest tattoos. Yeah, they both yep. have similar styles. But well, man, th- that was a fight that actually that that, that very surprised me. Right? Like I I, I poo pooed that fight. I think more than the Connor fight. I was just like, who? I'm sick of these people. But yep. I didn't know anything about Chris Patino, right? Only been in MMA for, what, a couple of weeks? Um, literally steps into the octagon, loses the fight. But I think, like, in our hearts and minds, I mean, he got a $75,000 check for fight of the night. He went to distance. There was nothing that his chin didn't eat that Sugar Sean was serving. It was unbelievable. You just continue to watch fist after fist land in this dude's face and you're like he's got to drop at some point he has to drop at some point and then at some point you're just like let's just burn it all down let's just let's just see how far chris can take this thing and you start talking yourself into believing chris can win the fight he doesn't but i was not expecting that that was like see this is the type of ufc event that i like you give us a couple fights that kind of run through quickly and then there's fights that we think oh this is going to go one way and it shocks us and I think this is what the UFC matchmakers see themselves when, when they give us these cards. It doesn't always like end up like this, but this was a nice middle-of-the-night fight. If you were probably tired from watching all the undercard bouts, this one got you hyped for the main event. It really did. Yeah, this was um, so that, the crit, that kid Chris has, he's been in MMA fighting out of uh, Massachusetts, actually, in you know his smaller fights and his smaller venues um quit his job uh i want to say it was like a month ago or so to really focus on trying to make his way into mma and make a career out of it and took this fight on 11 days notice when nobody else did and you know everybody coming into this thought okay this is just going to be uh you know a brutal fight to watch um and to be clear, like it was, you found yourself rooting for the guy, but he yeah. lost handedly. Mm-hmm. I mean, he lost. He lost O'Malley to the judges' cards, but not in our hearts, Tim. Not in our hearts. O- O'Malley was setting like records as far as connections. Now, now, what this means going forward, you know, things are going to have to change for the kid. The fights aren't going to be able to go this same way. You can only take so much damage before, like. 
that damage starts to pile up. Now, not everybody's going to be a Shane O'Malley who is as tactical and as accurate as he is. So I think he'll have, you know, with some better training camps, uh, with some better coaching now, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people who are going to sign up for, you know, coming and helping. His defense obviously needs a ton of work, but that chin, he, he got wobbled a little bit. I thought he was going to go down. Uh, I thought it got saved by the bell once, but to just stand there and eat those and keep walking forward. Like I was there, there came a point where you could see where you could see Sean, like looking up at the clock and thinking like, Jesus, how much time is left? Cause you have to be tired, right? It doesn't matter. Connecting, missing, throwing that much output is going to wear you down and you start getting worn down and you're getting just constantly pressed, there comes that moment where you could catch yourself slipping and catch like a, a hook or something. Unfortunately, I don't think there was there was much weight uh, behind Chris's punches towards, you know, the latter portion of that second round going into the third. I know there's a lot of controversy as far as letting him finish, stopping it early. I'm kind of on the fence. I mean, he made it that far. He didn't stop it on, up till that point. You stopped it with 30 seconds left. Like, how much damage are you really saving him from at that point? But you're also saving him from more damage, right? There's that, there's that, there's that fine line where, you know, do you gotta let him finish it out just so he can? Because I'm sure there was some sort of bonus tied to whether to if he made it the entire three rounds, and just for him to say, I went three three full rounds against you know Sean O'Malley, one of the best fighters in that weight division. Um. And then to have him stop it, you know, it's it, it's a heartbreaker. But again, in my opinion, they probably could have stopped it a little early, just because of like I, I want to see the after pictures of what his face looked like. Uh, he's got to get a medical suspension for a few months. Like he's not going to be able to compete. Obviously, you just, oh, yeah, you just yeah, can't yeah. you can't take that many you know lottery tickets to the face. <laughs> yeah, but dude, that kid's. That kid's chin, if he gets it in and shores it up a little bit and, and, and actually has some form of defense, because using your face as your, as your form of defense isn't going <laughs> to Old move, cut Cotton. It. Let's see if it works out for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I, we'll give this two more fights before we really judge the, what kind of fighter and what kind of character he is, because we all got caught up in the fact that he stood in there and ate that many punches. But what what kind of got lost in a lot of that is, um, how well he could actually throw, how, how well he could kick. Like, all of his fighting kind of fell to the wayside a little bit because he was literally just stopping fists with his face and continuing to walk down uh, O'Malley pretty pretty consistently the entire fight. He never once took a step back, I don't think, which it's great, but I don't know if that's necessary. I mean, he's going to get a lot of fans out of it. He's got a lot of heart, but I don't know. What got lost in a lot of that, and I have to go back and I want to rewatch the fight, is to see the quality of fighter he actually is. I mean, to make it to a point where you get called up, there's got to be something there. Yep. But it might just, you know, it may just be because he's an entertaining brawler and likes to get in some of these fights. So we'll give it, we'll give it a couple more fights before I'll, I'll judge him on his actual fighting ability. But man, he's got one of the hardest chins I think I've I've ever seen. So let's let's say Timmy, he has two two fights. Yeah, wins one, loses the other. At what point do we start hyping the train up to get Matino O'Malley too? 
Uh, he's got a long way to go for that. Damn it. Come on, Tim. He's got, you know, he's got just, a long just, way to go. Just throw I mean, your boy a bone. Come on. Only because, you know, this is this is again one of those that uh you know, I take that back. I bet Sean would probably throw him another fight. The, the problem is Sean needs to start getting big fights. Mm-hmm. Um I'm yeah, not like the he's biggest just, like fought a whole bunch of people that are just trying yeah, to make I'm a not name the... for themselves. Like you got to you got to take on a king at some point. Yeah, like I'm not necessarily his biggest fan, but he is just a beast, right? He's he's super technical, he's super accurate. All of those things are, are great to watch, but something about him as a character, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. I, I don't know if it's the Takashi Six Nine vibes that I yeah, get out of it, but uh, um, he's got to start getting some better fights. I'm sure he'll he's going to be in title conversations uh, if he's not already. Um, so it would I think it would actually take quite a bit more before we got to see it, but I could see Sean. I could see him throwing him a bone. And he might throw him a bone sooner rather than later, just so he doesn't have to go against that same chin with a guy who has a little bit of skill yeah. underneath his underneath his belt. But um, you know, I don't know. Sean, Sean doesn't really he doesn't strike me as the type that that dodges fights. There's a lot of people who sort of dodge him. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I doubt it, but I could see Sean kind of throwing throwing him a bone if it happens. You know, sometime in the next, I don't know, year maybe two years but Very otherwise otherwise i don't th- i don't think it happens you want to talk about the burns fight oh, i love burns that man is a beast and for the record when you said our predictions uh i think all of my predictions are actually correct mm, no because you said connor was gonna win no i said my gut says uh dustin's gonna win um... i said it would i said it'd be nice to see connor but my gut says dustin We'll have to go back and check that out just to be sure. Yeah. But I'm run, because run, I the, roll the tape. Hey, hey, Jamie, yeah, pull it up. Pull it up, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got we to gotta get one of those guys to join us on here. We'll work for beer. Um, but yeah, the whole time, like I never felt comfortable about Connor getting in and uh and taking that fight. I, I it felt just the whole time. We'll get to that in a, in, in a second. But uh, yeah, Burns, an animal. Uh, I mean, Stephen Thompson is no joke. He is a phenomenal fighter and kind of kept himself in that for a little bit, but it just looked like people from different weight classes in there. Burns is just a beast, just a a complete beast. So uh, that one, you know, I think I think Burns is one of those guys who are just going to continue watching for a while because he's just going to continue to to dominate, in my opinion. Now, I th- I thought there was some chatter after the fight about. Burns getting a fight with uh, Francis Ngannou. Did uh, I hear that? Wrong? Are they in the same weight class? Uh, they may be. There was, I, I think it was he was going to be filling in for a. He was going to fill in for a fight. I I heard part of that as well. So I was working during this event, so I got to like watch. Multi-task. I got to watch the entire event, but I did not. Uh, we get to hear a lot of the the commentators. So I don't know. I don't know what the setup is for him next. I know. I know he's in line for, you know, some big stuff, you know, in the near future. Um, I could see that fight happening. That might be, I mean, there hasn't been a competitor I've seen Burns go up against where I'm like, you know, not leaning his, his way. Um, 
But yeah, that could be that could be a good one. But I don't know if they're in the same class. I'd have to look that up. All righty, let's talk about that 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 last card of the night, McGregor Poirier three. Yeah, the trilogy, the hype, the end. <laughs> Jesus Christ, give me a friggin' break! What? Damn, I didn't even watch the fight live. Okay, Twitter was not quick enough with the updates or the illegal streams. Not that I would have partaken in any of them because it is illegal. <laughs> uh, but BBC had a nice radio broadcast, and I got to listen to some old blokes talk UFC. And I gotta admit, it's not as hype as hearing Joe Rogan in DC, but it's mm-hmm. pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> the Matino O'Malley fight was hilarious. Oh, look at his mighty! He's just taking these punches left and right. Oh, I don't know. Just accents are funny to me. But McGregor Poirier. There was so much talk about how McGregor was back to the old McGregor. Talking all crazy. Got that look in his eyes. What what kind of fighter are you going to see when he, when he steps into the octagon? Poirier just kept it cool. And in, in the first round, like there really wasn't anything that told me that McGregor was prepared for this fight. I, I don't know. That's just my main takeaway. Like, he yeah he, um, he definitely he definitely caught the receiving end of a lot of punches um and I just I just expected more and that's because I've seen the totality of Connor's work I I don't know I'm I'm the opposite of that actually if I'm being honest I think he went in and showed enough that this wasn't like he lost the round but it wasn't uh this this wasn't like a runaway in my opinion for Dustin he yeah, it was close. Two different and two different occasions. Uh, you know, he had him in holds that you know the, the difference was Dustin had answers for some of that stuff early on. Uh during the post fight interview, Dustin even said he caught him on the chin. He still had his legs, you know, he he didn't see it coming and it buzzed him a little bit. So I think what this kind of shows you is that there there, there is it, it Connor's not washed up and he's not sort of yet at the end of his rope, he does still have some left in the tank. So the ankle, you know, for anybody who didn't watch, the big thing in, in UFC, especially over the last, uh, it seems like, year or two years now, has been that front leg kick in order to break down the legs of the of the fighter you're going up against, which is yeah. why uh, McGregor lost the last time. He wasn't checking the leg kicks, so his legs were just pummeled, and he kind of lost his lead leg. Uh, so he went in and was trying to do some of the same thing and he got him with some good kicks, but there was a, a check that, that Dustin mentioned he had felt something and he, he had assumed at that point he may have fractured part of the bone there. And then when McGregor missed his punch and misstep and came down on it, that kind of finalized the break that was there. Ugh. So it's just one of those, fr- you know, freak accidents and, and, and flukes that happen. But, you know, at some point, people are going to start weighing the risk and reward for those those front leg kicks, and it's going to come down to whether or not you want to risk those sort of injuries. Because this is, you know, we, we've seen it a handful of times this year already, where fighters have gone out with like major, major leg injuries. And I know some of the conversation now is going to be, does McGregor come back? What happens now? Is this the end for McGregor? It's I'm I'm kind of on the fence, right? He's the highest paid athlete last year. Of, in all of sports, uh, once he sold the proper 12 brand, made some $180 million, uh, made millions of dollars off of this fight. UFC will make millions of dollars off of any fight that, you know, that he headlines. The The problem is going to be how much confidence he has in that leg and that ankle when he 
comes back, right? Like, we talked about this a little bit with Alex Smith and coming back from his injury, how gun-shy he was going to be. Well, the difference between Alex Smith and UFC fighter, you're not purposely throwing that same leg out there, you know, trying to use it as a weapon. You are just, you know, having to worry about getting tackled. So I would be a little gun-shy before throwing that kick if I had already fractured and, like, snapped. He, he essentially snapped the lower part of his leg off. It was yeah. disgusting. It, um, you know, it was it was so bad. I I saw the break, and if you look at the the photos of it online, it's very hard to understand how that wasn't a compound fracture. How how the bone yeah. did not protrude from the skin. Um, he, all of his weight was on it, and he was on the ground. He's getting thrashed. Herbiner's just sitting there looking at it, like, "What are we gonna do here? Like, come on, call the fight." <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't don't even like the guy. Obviously, can't get up on on his foot. Um, Connor wanted it to be called a doctor stoppage. He didn't want to lose by TKO. It goes down as a TKO. I mean, technically, he didn't win the trilogy, but they're still ch- chipping at each other. They're still chipping at each other. Like, like, like you could tell it's unfinished business for the both of them. We're gonna get McGregor Poirier four. I don't feel good about it. And and there is some school of thought out there that maybe Connor needs a couple tune up fights to get up there. I mean, your yeah. take on that? Does he accept those? Uh, I don't think so. So that's the tough part. Uh, he he kind of showed a little bit of his ground game. I think in this one early on, where he you know he he did tie up Dustin a couple times, and you you thought, oh man, he you know he's he's going for a tap here instead of his normal you know stand up striking. Um, so if he wanted to like you know take a step back and wanted to, um. And work a little bit on that ground game and really make some effort to come back in and, you know, be sort of more of a well-rounded fighter instead of just, you know, a, a striker. He he could do that, but in my opinion, if he's going to get back in the MMA, he does need to do some of those things. He needs to get in, maybe without headlining a card, maybe let's get in and, and do a couple, like, tune-up fights, if he would. Um just to kind of get himself back into a groove. I mean, he's 33 now. He's still got, you know, some fighting left in him. He's on the older side in terms of fighters these days. But there's still, in my opinion, some some life left in there. He, I don't, I don't necessarily think he was on the path to losing that fight quite yet. Uh, but he did. Everyone's got... I know everyone's gonna look at the everyone's gonna look at that last few seconds of the round and be like, oh, he was he was kicking his head. Well, no, uh, McGregor landed. You know, quite a few punches. McGregor, you know, had him tied up. You thought he was going to get him, you know, in one of those, uh, those, you know, headlocks that he was in, uh, or, you know, some of those tie ups. You thought there was a chance he was going to submit him there. So the, the difference is in the, those last, you know, 15 seconds, the guy was clearly in, in likely some form of shock. He was probably in a situation where, the pain had to have been just completely unbearable. He had literally just snapped his ankle off. So all of that coupled with having to defend himself against, you know, Dustin on top of him, you know, pounding him, it looked worse, I think, in terms of how the the fight was going because he was also worrying about, you know, his foot falling off on top of everything. So I think... The way it ended was obviously anticlimactic. I think the way it kind of sort of fleshed itself out made it look worse in terms of the the fight itself, not the broken ankle, none of that sort of stuff. That was that was a fluke. That wasn't Dustin breaking his ankle. 
that was just, you know, one of those things we've seen happen several times before this. Um, but in my opinion, yeah, he lost the fight because he's he almost broke his entire leg off. But um without that last fifteen seconds, like if you remove that fifteen seconds, there was some good back and forth there. There was uh opportunities for, you know, both guys to make some impacts in that fight. So I I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure we get some sort of McGregor four. I also think after this he'll go back to you know, some of the way he was before. He got a little too hyped up for this fight. We everybody worked to kind of get him in a position where he wasn't this asshole and then he he becomes this nice guy and then everybody wants the asshole back again. So I, I also feel for the guy having to kind of cater to everybody and sort of play these, you know, characters in, in yeah, different settings archetypes. each time. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he kinda regresses a little bit, maybe goes back towards, you know, a more subdued McGregor. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. It, it depends on how long it takes him to rehab and how gun shy he is to throw that throw that kick. I just think that there's something <clears throat> that all fighters should do. And they should just listen to their bodies. And when they start to really, really feel the effects, I understand that the that the fight game money is really, really good. But sometimes you got to make the transition. You got to get on a podcast. You got to get on a, a commentating team, right? Like I, I love Bisping. I love Cormier. I, I love what they what they bring to to that uh, because yeah. you can hear the people who have spoken about the UFC and commentated on it for a long time, and you can hear a fighter's perspective. There's always going to need to be that massive respect for Khabib Nurmek. Nur- I can't pronounce his last name. Nur- Anyways, <laughs> Khabib. Uh, because 29 and 0 is is an unbelievable record and he decided I made a promise to my parents and that's why I'm I'm going to keep that promise and he decided he wants to go coach now and there's always these viral moments with him just like owning people's souls in like his UFC gym and there's something to be said about going out on top and not having a loss and Connor has held belts in multiple divisions at the same time Connor has been responsible for a lot a lot of views to the UFC and a crossover event with boxing. I don't want to see anymore. I don't want to see him lose another fight and then delve into celebrity-style boxing, go fight a Paul brother, go fight Mayweather again, or do this. Like I'm just worried about the precipitous slide that we're going to see for McGregor if he decides he wants to keep going. But you already said he, he sells proper 12 for a boatload of money. He's made millions upon millions upon millions. What more does he have to prove at this point? I don't think that he does. And I think that this is a pretty big cuckoo, cuckoo, wake up. You got to think differently about this. And I, I just, I would like to see him just kind of sh- shift to something else. You know what I mean? He could be a great coach on the Ultimate Fighter. He could commentate. He could be a coach and train like the next round uh, of up and coming fighters. Like, I just don't see him continuing to fight as what's best for Connor. He might think it is because the dollar signs are there, but he doesn't, I mean, that's, that's, it's like a, it's a mirage. He doesn't need the dollars that, if UFC were to pay him $6 million for a fight, it doesn't matter. He has 10 times that in, in the bank that he's earning interest off of. So what's the point? Why would you go and put something else out there so you can break an arm, God forbid, break a leg or something else? Like it, That doesn't make any sense to me. But that's me. I don't, I don't get paid to fight. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if this is one I would necessarily translate to age per se. Um I Part of me does think that this could be sort of the end of that. You know, how many times do you want to you know, lose 
in a row before you realize it's okay. It's time to time to hang it up. But he doesn't shy away from fights. He takes hard fights. So you know, I I, I can't fault him for that. I respect it. This particular injury, I don't necessarily know. I don't think it comes from age. It comes from the conditioning of your shin and uh, your your leg muscles. Like to throw those leg kicks, you gotta you gotta literally. Say, uh, uh, you know, Matt Tomasa listens to this podcast, and shout out to him. He told me what it takes uh, to get to that point, and you need to literally roll your shin bone, meaning you take like a jagged, tough piece of you know material, and you roll it over and over, up and down your shins, so that it causes these little micro fractures that that force it to heal back harder and harder. And you continue to do that, and you continue to do that, and you continue to do that. And then you start working on your kicks. And I don't know if a lot of these guys are conditioning them that same way. Because let's not forget, he's not the only one who's done this. Yeah. And it's, it's not old people who are doing it. Like, there are several well, fighters I mean, I, who have I done that. Like, because he's he's old in the UFC. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, th- this sport takes a toll on you no matter what the age is, you know, next to yep. your date of birth. So. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I think, I think he's going to either have to take some tune-up fights or this is it. In my opinion, like I, I think he's kind of everyone's going to, you know, consider the fights because of the money that they make. But at some point, he's going to stop getting that same money only because, you know, you ever want to fight in several years at this point. So wh- why are you main carding? Yeah. Why are you why are you the why are you the main fight on on uh, why are you the main fight on main cards now if you're not winning those same fights so and and, and that's, that's my fear that's my fear right that mcgregor's legacy is going to start to become tainted because he's just trying to continue to chase the thing that you know the car that he couldn't he couldn't track down and, and it's it's gone it's faster than you now you're not gonna be able to get it and I, i'm just i'm a little worried yeah. about that that's all yep agreed all right ufc 264 that's the recap ton of fans in the stands it was incredible to hear the roar of the crowd. Of mm. course, plenty of celebs were in attendance. I'm not saying we're back to normal, Tim. It just felt like, oh, yeah, yeah, UFC event in Vegas. whole bunch of people, celebs showing out. Everyone on the TikTok and on the Instagram reels trying to get clout. Decent fights. Relatively good price. You just kind of feel like, oh, shit. Things are kind of getting back yeah. to where they used to be. I didn't yep. hate it. I liked the radio broadcast part that I could listen to it while scrolling Twitter furiously every two to three seconds and seeing if there are any updates. <laughs> not a bad way if you're not purchasing the uh, the fights on ESPN Plus. But uh, all right, let's talk a little football now. The Euros just ended. Mm-hmm. England, Italy for the cup. One one regular time. We went to extra time. No points in extra time. We're going to PKs. Italy wins 3-2 on PKs. Absolutely insane. England hasn't won a Euro since the 1960s. They have to continue to wait. Italy, Italy, Italy. Losing people. They were not favored to win. England talked so much trash. The amount of stuff that was talked on social media about it's coming home, it's coming home. It was close. But I think a lot of England's fans felt when they went up 1-0 before half, like, oh, we're good. We got this. But they didn't they didn't go for the kill. And I think this is something that a lot of, you know, regular sports fans who don't watch European soccer 
or European football, they don't understand. You can go to one one and technically still win a game if you're if you're heading points in the standings, right? It's not really that bad. You can win a game one zero, not bad. This is the this is the cup game. This is for the this is for the trophy. If you could score a goal, you got to go back during during halftime and say when we go back on the pitch, we need to do more of this. We need to find a way to get another goal, either on a corner kick or free kick or something. We need to exploit the other team, and we need to put this game out of reach. England, for whatever reason, whether it was Italy's defensive countermeasures they were deploying against them, they couldn't do it. And then Italy kept the game up. When this game went to extra time, I said, it's going to PKs. We're, we were at, uh, at lunch, my wife and I. I said, it's going to PKs. Order another drink. We're going to be here for a minute. And she's like, well, they have another 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, we're going to PKs. Like, this is the last game of the season for them, right? Until they play in, in the Olympics, if they go to play for their national teams. They're, they're not going to allow a goal in these next extra time. We're going to PKs. I love the drama that PKs brings. If you watch a lot of MLS soccer, this is what's happened a couple of times in the championship. Uh, a few years ago with the Seattle Sounders, they won on PKs. Um, there is something about penalty kicks to win a trophy that just brings out the absolute best in goalies. And in strikers. And it's amazing because you say, all right, everyone has, each team has five shots. Put your best five against our goalie and, we're, and we'll see where we land. It's sudden death. And it's the only thing I think that American sports fans can really understand. If more soccer games went to PKs, people, mm. people would watch the soccer all the time. They would love it because they love that sudden death, that face off. Oh my God, our backs are against the wall. What are we going to do? And for England, I mean, I feel bad for them. Like, they attempted, it was early, good with the PKs. They attempted to do a fake out, foot slipped, bounced off the crossbar, and they just never really recovered from that. Italy mm-hmm. smelled blood in the water. They got the next kick in. It didn't matter they missed the other ones. They, they were good from there. They, they had already lived rent-free in England's head. And to win that title, I mean, hats off to the Italians. It was it was great. It was really great. A, a three two shootout on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Claim your first European Cup championship since the nineteen sixties. I, I just don't think you can write it another way. Um, England, they're gonna have to wait again because they haven't won since the sixties as well. So this is just this is absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. It just it goes to reinforce this, this notion in football that. Any team can beat any team on the pitch. It doesn't matter if you have the highest paid players. It doesn't matter if you think you have the best coach. You can be brought down. And I think a lot of people were probably watching it. If you didn't, you missed out on quite an excellent, excellent soccer game. I thought I read somewhere that this was like their 34th game without losing or something like that. It's something crazy. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, shootouts in uh, penalty kicks in soccer is one of those things that I think is. I'm not a big fan of using that as a way to to finish big games the same way I think hockey shootouts are not necessarily the way to go either. More More so with soccer because. Like fundamentally, 
you're asking a goalkeeper to cover more than what is physically possible for him to cover. Mm-hmm. So it's literally just whether or not he guesses correctly and yes, his body just match. happens to be. That's what I love it, about it, though. And so I, I don't even I don't even know if it's a chess match. It's literally just a guess. At least in chess, there's a move and you know what counter move to make and you can see how that plays out. This is literally like well, I can't call it table okay. tennis. That would be disrespectful. <laughs> I have well, to I equate mean, the game to something intelligent. That's it. I mean, it's its its own, th- it's it its own thing. It's that's the problem. It's its own thing, and it's literally a. While there's some skill to it, and there's probably like high percentage shots and the likelihood of where someone's going to go, but all you're doing is waiting for maybe the slightest tell of what direction they may be going in. And just jumping that direction. Like how many, let's be honest, how many penalty kicks do you see that just look so bad? Where like the goalie jumps to the left and yeah. it's like a, a, a trickling to, to the right. I mean, so for me, I think a lot of these big games, I get it. It's part of the game. I mean, in the same way that hockey, you know, they relied on shootouts for so long. I always thought in big games, championship games, it should not. It shouldn't come down to a guessing game. It should be straight up, keep playing until someone scores, right? Like, if you need to, maybe take the hockey approach and pull a player off from either side. Then it's a little bit faster pace. There's not quite as many people who are out there. Maybe it allows for a little bit more mm-hmm. back and forth. But I think in I don't, soccer, I don't, would, like, intentionally slow the game down. Maybe you'd have to do the opposite. You'd have to put an extra player in. There's yeah, so maybe. much ground. Then you have, pitch, like, you know 20 I mean? on 20. Hey. <laughs> You got to score at some point, right? Yeah, I think I think they should be. I, in my opinion, when it comes to like these high level games, it should be play until someone scores. Otherwise, you're you're hoping for you know who the luckier you know goalkeeper is in those in those situations. But uh, I didn't watch a lot of the Euros uh, this go round just because my sleep schedule didn't permit a lot of it. I was sleeping through most of it, but. Uh, I did catch some of this. Um, I would say outside of uh, the World Cup, this is probably some of the most exciting soccer you'll you'll watch. Or sorry, yeah. European football For or sure. football that you could see. So uh, glad it went out on on a high, exciting note as well. But um, didn't take a couple, lot of it myself this time. Couple stats that don't matter. Yeah, one I wouldn't have watched this if it wasn't for Beer Twitter, <laughs> because Beer Twitter surprisingly. In a Venn mm-hmm. diagram is football fans. So uh, I became right. very innately involved with uh, European football thanks to Beer Twitter. Um, from Axios Sports, England's got to wait at least another year to win its first major international championship since 1966, the World Cup. Italy, which failed to qualify for 2018 World Cup, is now one game shy of matching Brazil and Spain for the men's record of consecutive unbeaten matches at 35. In a row. Right. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane. Um, this is a stat that, that doesn't matter unless you're an England fan. And Gareth Southgate, the manager of that team, England has just has won just 22% of its major tournament shootouts, which is the worst mark for any European nation that's been involved in at least three international championships. 22%. So almost in a way, right? Italy knew they had won the game when full-time had eclipsed and they were 1-1 because they said, 
listen, they haven't scored in the last half. They're not going to score on us in this upcoming half. We're going to PKs. We're going to win. I want to know what like the... I want to know what twenty-two percent. That is. I want to know what the like the the benchmark, the baseline. Is. Like, what yeah. is? Yeah, because something about that math doesn't make sense. They have to be in at least three majors. Well, no, in the last three of, of any European nation that's been within the last three, England is is the lowest um, at converting those shootouts. Twenty-two percent of the two of the last nine that they've been in, they've won. That's not good. I bet the benchmark that's, is probably like. 30%, 40% is probably the baseline. Yeah, but I mean, there's there are teams who are probably like 40%, 40%, 39%, 38%, 35%, and then you have England that's 22%. That's, that's a lot of percentage to be losing to other teams that you're facing multiple times throughout the year. Or, as is the case with European football, you have many different people, different nationalities on the same football team. So you know what those players are capable of, and then you see them in the Euros on another team you know how to how to stop them. So you would think that you would be able to win some of those games. But, hey, that is what it is. Copa America. Lionel Messi. Guy is a soccer god. It's either him, Ronaldo. That's just, that's where you're going to get to if you're a fan of football. But, Argentina. Last weekend. Finally, beat Brazil 1-0 in the Copa America final, ending a 28-year trophy drought so they can reclaim their place in the South American version of the Euros. And again, this comes from Axios Sports. Look, Messi has done a lot of things. He's driven the game in ways that other sports stars just aren't able to do. He's made a ton of money. For him to win it for Argentina is a very, very big deal. Um of course, because the Euros were taking the lion's share, pun intended, with the three lions, uh, you know, of England, you just you didn't get as much out of that, I think, as you would have wanted to. But remember, this is the best of the European countries and the South American countries. It only happens every few years, and then we have the Olympics. So it's almost like the teams, these national teams that are carrying this momentum in after these cups, like. They're really going to want to make a statement, right? Especially Italy. Italy does not want to lose a single game. They probably don't even want to have a draw in any of the Olympic games whatsoever because they want to beat um, that record with Brazil and Spain for the consecutive matches that they've not lost. I'm sure we're going to see that, which means we're going to have a lot of good football this summer before we get to American football. I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Real quick, I just found a uh, a little article. Penalty kick misses at historically high rate at the Euro twenty twenties, with just twenty uh, percent of them being converted <sighs> as a whole. Bad, so, bad, bad, bad. Yeah, that's crazy. But we we got we got to say one thing about this though. Sports brings out the best in people, and unfortunately, sports brings out the worst in people. And yep. though England lost three to two on PKs, the only thing that people could talk about on social media was the amount of racist vitriol that people were throwing at the um, Af- the African players on the England team. It's despicable because they're British citizens. Obviously, they're playing on the team, and 
it's been condemned by the prime minister. It's been condemned by UEFA. It's been condemned by FIFA. Um, there are people who have obviously, you know, been kicked off of social media platforms because of their comments. But England players decided this year that they were going to support the fight for racial justice in a similar way that NFL players did a couple of years ago, kneeling during matches. Fans in England, as you can imagine, were not happy about this. This was just taken up to another level, like recently with the Euros, and it was bad. There were, there were a couple times this year where players from European teams got off social media entirely because of the abuse that, that they found. Um, they were receiving in their comments and their DMs, and England and other European nations actually staged a three-day blackout where they didn't participate in social media whatsoever to stop the trolls from having content. And then here we are, just exacerbated. We we gave our PSA, uh, you know, a little while back. We and I, I think we were talking to American fans, really. Um, but I guess we got we got to talk it to international fans now. Stop being dinks. Don't be dinks. You're you're getting live sports back. You losing three two in the Euro final is a coaching decision, right? You're it's a coaching decision for how you're going and your player alignment and the the schemes you have set up and the attempts you're trying to make. The players got you there. They went all the way through the European Championships to get you to the last game. They want to badly raise a trophy that they haven't raised since they were born. Because the majority of those players are not old enough to have known the last time England raised a trophy in 1966 or 68, whenever it was. They, they, they want desperately to fix that. The last thing they need to be hearing is any racist shit you have to spew on Twitter or Instagram. And it's bad. I, don't, I just can't believe we have to continue talking about this. But it seems like whatever issues... The NFL on Earth between race, politics, and sports has now been exported to the rest of the world, and sort of like a domino effect, we're seeing it in these other places, and predictably, we're getting the same results. And it's yeah, tough I mean, to see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say that we fed into the the European side of things because you know, comparative to it was always there. The United States, they are a more blatant and more obvious form of racism in a lot of ways where they still have, uh, you know, like processions in the street from racial organizations and whatnot. It's not as as uh, under the radar in general in Europe as it is in the United States, like a lot of a lot of what we see, some might classify as uh not perceived racism, but like racist undertones and racial influence and, 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 and a lot of things like that, where a lot of times in Europe, it is just flat out like there's a march down the street and it is a separatist group and it is, you know, they're blatantly racist. And I think this was kind of the latest showing in that where these comments weren't like guys on burner accounts. These were people using their main accounts, using them mm -hmm. as ways to drop, you know, horrific, horrific comments. Uh, yeah. As if those three or four guys on the team were the only players on the entire team, right? Like it, they acted like the, those four guys were the, the starting lineup on like a basketball team. And they're the only ones responsible for scoring. I, 
it's it's misguided hatred it's uh why some people hate the concept of sports in general because at the end of the day it's just it's a stupid game like at the end of all of this at any given point these are just stupid games but they happen to be things that people use to rally themselves behind there's a way to show pride in your country there's a way to show pride in you know the the things you find passionate and then when you see situations like this where people tend to take it too far or um it extends beyond the stupid game side of it and becomes more personalized where you have you know black and brown fans running from the stadiums and people laughing about that because you know they got to get out of here before the the drunk englishmen come and it's just it's so such bad. bullshit and it's it is. disgusting it's, it's, it's and terrible like it's it's 2021 like who do you think you're appealing to when you say those things and who do you think it is that's gonna you know it's such a small section of the world now who is going to be like oh yeah that was a great tweet like what the the negative repercussions of that stuff is going to far outweigh the few thumbs up you're going to get from other shitty human beings like you and to be you know, it, it extends beyond just being a troll now. Like the, the concept and the idea of trolls and troll memes and, and being controversial for the sake of being controversial, it is the worst part of the internet. And it's why I have sort of dialed back my own social media usage as of, you know, over the last year. Just because it's like the, the sheer concept of saying negative and hurtful shit just and getting get more someone's reactions. yeah to get reaction out of folks it's just it's the dumbest thing i can you know i i can't even bring myself to put myself in a situation where i'll be like oh you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna type this this thing out like i saw on kendrick perkins on his uh his wife's instagram account she posted the other day someone said you know i'm gonna find you and i'm going to kill you like that sort of stuff people put out there is just <sighs> unreal. And this is one of those scenarios where like this was these guys are down on themselves more than any fan could ever you know, when when you get yourself in and it's so unrelatable to any level of sports that any of us have played because we are not only are we not professional athletes, but we're not professional athletes who are put on the highest stage for our country like the Olympics or any one of these, and then to go out and lose in that fashion, nobody is going to be harder on on you as a player than yourself. Like you are yeah. down. Like that is some of the 100%. worst feeling those guys have felt in their career at any given time. And then, you know, instead of the comfort of your fans or even like you know, not everything's gonna be rainbows and sunshine. Not everyone's gonna be like, Oh, well, good effort, we'll get him again next time. There's plenty of people who are out there who are just gonna be assholes for the sake of being assholes. But this is like a whole different level. You're no longer responding just to people who are like, Hey, why didn't you pass the ball? or hey, why didn't you, you know, set yourself up better for, you know, those goal kicks, you know, things like that. This is just racial attacks for nothing more than either internet clout in the wrong groups or people who are legitimately just piece of shit human beings. So this goes beyond, you know, stopping an asshole at live events. Cause we just got live sports back and goes more along the lines of just stopping a shitty human being. Like there's, yeah. 
no room for it. If you uh, if if you can't, you know, correct your mindset and the way you're thinking, then feel free to show your way out. However, you know, like seriously, <laughs> yeah. There's no. It's soccer, man. Like, get over it. Go on with your life. Find something else. There's all. There's another season. There's another tournament. There'll be another Euro. There's the Olympics. The World Cup. Get the hell over it, man. No, nobody, nobody really cares about your your shitty outlook. I I, I agree with you on that. And, and my last point on this: <clears throat> sports, race, and politics—they're closely linked. People don't want to talk about it, mm-hmm. but they 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 are right. Think about it like this: sports and politics—they're juggernauts. They're the same size. They occupy similar spaces. Yep. As such, they cancel each other out. Right. Not one has more influence than the other. That sounds pretty fucked up to say, right? But think about it. Sports stars have as much power as presidents, as congressmen, as parliamentary members. Same thing, right? So you're always going to get a net zero sum there. You're always going to be equal in a weird way. Race links the two of them, uncomfortably so, because one side usually doesn't want to pay attention to the effect that race has on the other. Could be sports with the effects of, of race and sports on politics or the effect on politics for race with the intersection of sports. If we just had simple conversations about things that occur in this, then we wouldn't need athletes to demonstrate to get our attention. But we don't do that. We just say to ourselves, everything's hunky-dory. Everything's fine. We're just going to play sports and, and we'll be good. But the over-influence, I think, of like sports and politics being that they're equal in influence has atrophied our appetite to talk about race. And if we had just talked about it, we wouldn't have these types of things where people give bad faith arguments like, well, there are, are black and brown players in professional sports that make millions of dollars. So like, how could systemic racism affect them? It's like you're missing the massive point in front of you. It's not about them, Right. Yes, we, we can talk about LeBron and flopping and everything, but LeBron's problems are not you and I's problems, and they're not problems of someone trying to break into the league. The fact that they encounter problems every step of the way is something we should talk about. Just because you become a professional athlete doesn't mean your life is fixed. It's great. All your problems are solved. It's life-changing yeah. money, but it doesn't necessarily help you. And it's why people still complain about Kaepernick, like they're missing the forest for the trees. And for England and other country to say, we're going to also talk about racial inequality and justice, and we're not going to be in social media. For Formula One drivers to say we race as one, we stand against systemic racism. For tennis, for golf, for NASCAR, for every one of these sports to come up and say something. How are we at a point where England is just like, all right, honey, go to the game. Hey, don't say any racist stuff on Twitter. Or if you do, use your burner account. (laughs) It's the Euros. I'm not using my burner account. I'm going full send. Like, what? This doesn't yeah. make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, be a better human being and just realize that, like, there's going to be another, there's going to be another competition. There's going to be another chance. Like, yeah. it's not the end of the world. And these, these young men and women who are going out there competing for you don't deserve and definitely don't get paid enough, no matter how many millions of dollars they make, deal with your racist bullshit in their comments. Yeah. And it's, Unfortunately, I have a little bit more of a cynical approach when it comes to that sort of stuff because I don't think there's any level. Like, at the end of the day, what you and I are saying doesn't matter to them. 
any kind of conversation that they're going to have in a public forum amongst teams, amongst politicians, amongst the countrymen. It's not going to matter. Those people are just shitty human beings for the sake of being shitty human beings. And because that's either how they were brought up, that's what's been ingrained in their mind. And for whatever reason, it's just like politics now. You're not going to change anyone's mind anymore. Like We're not in that era of time where uh, I could present you a couple facts and you're like, oh, yeah, I see your point. This is fine. No, it's unfortunately when it comes to politics, when it comes to race, when it comes to religion. And now... shockingly enough when it comes to science you know as well as sports oh yeah science science you're not you're not changing anyone's mind anymore nobody's if you don't agree with somebody it's because you're not open-minded enough if your ideas are just way out there and you're 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 quote-unquote a free thinker uh anything that opposes that is because you're a sheep and it's just it's so asinine and so backwards now that it just Nothing about it makes sense. No level of conversation is going to change any of those tweets, I don't think. Uh, It's just got to be, unfortunately, one of those things where uh, it's got to die out. Like, it's got to, I don't want to say it's got to run its course, but that I think is the only way kind of through it. You got to show that it's just not tolerated. Um, I don't know how you even do that, right? Like, in Japan, or sorry, in China, a guy just got arrested for selling modified saved games for like Zelda. Like that's how hardcore they are with a lot of their laws and a lot of their competition committees and things like that. Have that same approach in places like this where, okay, look, you got freedom of speech, but not freedom of consequences. The consequences of what you just said, like whatever that may be, you are relieved of your duties at work. Now you are relieved from your social media accounts. And I think when someone gets blocked for like blatant racist comments, they should be locked out of their account, but their account kept live with the notification as to why it is that they got blocked because they got, they said some, this account is no longer in use due to blatant racism and blatant content and like keep the content that they had up there for everyone to see and remove their ability to get in and modify it. So it lives there forever, right? Like that's job it, interviews and type. everything that kind of goes on down the road and it lives forever. You get blocked and they shut down your account. Sure. That stuff's gone. And there's no record of it anymore unless you, you know, subpoena Facebook or whatever, but Yeah, block those people, leave those accounts up, and make them public so that if someone needs to look for them later, because more and more these days as you apply for new jobs, people are scraping the internet to see, you know, what kind of trail you leave out there because it helps build a profile as to who you are as a person. So, unfortunately, conversations fall on deaf ears for those who don't want to change their mind. And when it comes to politics, race, science and, you know, sports to some level, nobody's changing their mind these days. And I don't think those people are changing. Granted, I think the overall size of that group is on a dramatic decline. Um, You know, those of us who weren't part of, you know, a minority community didn't see or hear a lot of these things that were going on. They were just sort of kept in uh you know kept privately and exposed to those who are part of these minority circles and now that we're kind of seeing them exposed some people are feeling a little bit more emboldened to just come out publicly and say it but still those groups the, the those 
far extreme sides of the the spectrum. I'm not talking about like, you know, middle of the road Republicans or like folks who lean right or, you know, folks in other countries who lean more towards their conservative parties. I'm talking about the far ends of those spectrum where people are posting this. I mean, you see it in the United States, there's still people who do the same thing. You had the viral video of the guy who confronted uh, his neighbor and was dropping all oh, this my horrific, God. horrific it stuff. In New and Jersey, said, right? Like it was, that was yeah. insane. And he was like, this is my address, like, come, come find see me. me. Oh. And then, yeah, and then we saw what, what happened there. So there are a there are some of them there are some shitty human beings who are feeling more emboldened to come out and sort of let it fly. I think that's kind of always been around, but with social media, it's getting more exposure now than it would have beforehand. But I think as a whole, that group is, you know, getting smaller and smaller and smaller, hopefully. And I think what will end up having to happen is you kind of got to let it choke itself out like a fire. You're not feeding, like stop feeding into it. Stop like, paying it any attention and eventually it'll just sort of burn out and die. I don't know if it'll ever be gone completely. Yeah. I, I There'll always be like there's there. Be some consequence there. Yeah. So it's, um, it's tough. It was a, it was a tough thing to see, you know, our hearts go out to the, those four players who, you know, that's not exactly what who they did were. Nothing wrong. Nothing except wrong. bring their national team to the brink of a championship. And, yep. The circumstances of sport made it so that they weren't able to elevate to that final level. They got another crack at it coming to the Olympics. They got another crack at it in a couple of years. You don't think they want to do that? You don't think they want to bring that trophy home? Of course they do. Just freedom of speech doesn't mean, like you said, freedom from consequence. So I hope that people think about these things before they decide to go crazy against people on social media. I mean, I think about it every time I I even say anything, whether it's on the stats uh, handle or my own personal handle. Like you tag someone in something and you say some hat, like some half-assed harebrained shit. It's out there. You can never take it back. And yep. it's just, you got to think about these things. Like think about the second and third order effects, but I don't want to get too preachy. I agree. It's um, it's it's a shitty situation. It's a it's a brutal, brutal, you know. It's a brutal place to live where that's the kind of thing you have to answer to at the end of uh you know at the end of what was a long and tiring outing um and very successful outing like that's that's the thing yeah. that just takes away from it like you made it to the finals you played some great football to get there and to have it all be effortlessly washed away by some stupid dolts at a pub on their phones. Yep. Just the worst. Yep. Agreed. Well, I guess the only thing that we close this episode of Sassamara Podcast and say is a decent thing. U.S. men's basketball team, five exhibition games, got smoked the first two. Everyone was panicking. Absolutely panicking. You lost to Nigeria and Australia. Well, they face Argentina. They bounce back. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin Durant. <laughs> uh, Tatum didn't play because of knee soreness. But they won that one handily. Uh, they, they're getting into a groove. And, and I think people always they sort of freak out. They're going to play in a couple of games. Greg Popovich is coaching this team. Just trust him, Pop, okay? <laughs> the dude has taken many teams to NBA Finals. I think 
you know what I mean? Like he's there in that Phil Jackson style of just let him coach. Let him do his mm-hmm. damn thing. I mean, he's out there doing wind sprints with the damn team the other day. Like, clearly, he's got the team bought in. Just wait. We're going to be fine as a nation. But, guys, if you could just win the next three games, that would be cool. <laughs> and if you could yeah. just not lose a single game in the Olympics, that would be cool. Just bring home the gold medal. We'll be cool with it. Uh, but, you know, basketball. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Give me some more. The, uh, the other nice thing to go out on. Um, Otani, if you didn't see last night, he went out. He didn't go out in the first round, so he's a pitcher. Well, yes, part yeah, of the, the home run derby. Yeah, yeah. Who went into uh, uh, he a swing off for anybody who's not familiar with the way it works? Uh, you go in. Uh, sorry, we're talking about the home run derby. For anybody who doesn't know how the home run derby works, you have your round. Uh, you're given a little bit of extra time, and if it's still tied, you go into a swing off. And he lost 31-28. The man hit 28 home runs in the first round of the home run derby last night. And unfortunately, he did lose. But what is even more impressive is that he started the first inning of the All-Star game tonight. Went a perfect 1-2-3 and hit 100 miles an hour. Like, he knew he was only coming in for an inning. So he literally just went in and and slung it. For anybody who is a casual baseball fan, for anybody who's a diehard baseball fan, you obviously know this, but anybody who's kind of on the fence, you have to tune in. You have to watch what is happening because it is history in the making. We haven't seen a player that's been able to bat and pitch at the same time at this level uh, in any of our lifetimes, pretty much. This is... He's it's leading incredible. the league in home runs. I mean, he's not he's not out there like bunting to like save his arms. He's out there swinging for the fences, and then they're like, "All right, cool, you got to go to the mound." He's like, "Is a rosin bag up there? I'm good." Four hundred and fifty yard home runs. Oh, it's in uh, four hundred fifty feet it's home runs. It's insane. It's insane. It's, insane. it's absolutely so, insane. Tune in. You got to watch it. It is, you know, despite what you may have heard on the socials from some of your uh, major commentators out there these days, uh, he is perfectly fine with being the voice in the face of baseball because I don't know if you've paid attention, but most of those leagues, uh, most of those rosters are made up of people who are from the United States and maybe English isn't their first language. So uh, to that point, uh, talk about missing the mark because you you took an international sport and you tried to uh, which what what we did during the Olympics is we tried to when we talked last week about um, you know some of the policies and and what they mean we took our small United States and sort of applied it to the greater well being and, and the greater audience of the world that makes up. MLB just like the Olympics like our our language our you know outlook on things is very different when you look at an MLB roster because a lot of those guys aren't from like small podunk towns in the United States they are from other parts of the country yep. so, uh, other parts of the world mm-hmm. so yeah talk about missing the mark big time and, and it's just it's incredible i yeah. i'm a very big fan of the bachelor you know Monday nights. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I had the home run derby up on my phone. <laughs> we were watching the Bachelor last night. The Bachelor, I'm not even kidding. 
I was like trying to keep the phone down. You know, like I had the uh, I had the volume down, and then Shohei came up, and I was like, ooh, I'm like paying attention, like looking both sides, and then he hit one. I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Katie. Yeah, you tell those men what's up. Yeah, don't give them that rose. Yes, yeah. go show it, go show it, go. Woo, woo, woo. I was like happy about it. It was a fantastic, it was a fantastic, fantastic home run derby. We need more home run derbies like that. Yeah. The fact that the, the Mets guy won it two years in a row, great. But there's heavy competition. I mean, Trey Mancini just coming out of nowhere. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. Ah, so good, so good. Uh, all right, so, 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 last last thing I want to address on this podcast because Kyle told me to ask you who your front runners were. Mm. I was like, no, no, that means we got to talk about <laughs> the Bachelor on the podcast. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna dip my toe into it for a second because I saw a snippet of it last night, and I have to tell you, it was the most interesting. No, no, you no, watched. no, no. Let me, let me, let me. Pump the brakes there. I walked in to talk to Kyle about, this about going to on vacation. A, an hour this week. and a half, hour and 45 minute podcast. We no, 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 no. So, real quick, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know and lives under a rock what the Bachelor the Bachelorette is, um, it's it's one person in a house in which they fill 25, 35 very attractive people mm-hmm. and they go on a series of dates over the course of like two months. And then at the end of it, she or he proposes or gets proposed to by one of these people. So they constantly whittle it down. So uh, let's dumb it down and explain it like a five-year-old. One person dates 35 people for two months and then picks one uh, going through well, all these challenges. Really and picks three to meet their families, and then hopefully an engagement comes out of that. Yeah, they narrow it down. So... Last night, I happened to walk in the room. I sit down and talk to Kyle, and I noticed there are men weeping on my television. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what this what this woman is about. What did she say that bothered them so much? I, I, there's got to be an emotional moment here. This is surprising. I Kyle, know where what, you're going with this, and I'm Kyle, loving it. What's, Kyle, what's going on here? What is What has happened? Have they found some heartbreaking news? Are they? This is an emotional moment. Uh, one of the guys got sent home. So a guy yeah. got sent yeah. home, came yeah. came walking in the room. Hey, guys, this is my goodbye. And this room full of men who are dating the same women all were crying. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, visibly, that's magic, visibly shaken. That's to, the like, magic uh, of the got, franchise. Like, one of them was literally, like, <laughs> weeping at a guy <laughs> who is his competition <laughs> to a woman he's going to date. <laughs> get sent home and then today to add to the sort of like absurdity of it all Kyle told me that uh, you know no one's really sure why but she told them to uh, uh, week off week week off something to like yeah to go for a week without you know have a self, self care yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. so it's, there are so many so, things about this season Tim that are just not normal right and it, it's fantastic. But one thing that's always happened is that the contest, well, the contestants, or some people call them t- contesticles <laughs> if they're dudes, <laughs> which wow. is pretty great. Shout out to Vulture, calling them contesticles because uh, yeah. they're, conte- you, you know why. Anyway, I don't get to explain yeah. it. Um, they, they, they build this, this really, really tight bond, right? Because you're on reality TV and you're laying your heart out there. You don't have your phone, you don't have internet, you don't have newspapers, you don't have anything. It's just you. All these other people, these other guys in a house or girls, you know, if you're on The Bachelor, and just the lead. 
So you're focused on trying to find love with them and you've been striking out your entire life or maybe you're trying to make it in social media land and you really need to make this, this is your chance. And they lean hard into it. So when Connor B got sent home, we're like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Because what usually happens is there's a, a, a shot of the producer coming in. You don't see their face because it's blurred out. A producer will come in and grab the suitcase of the person and they'll just walk out. And all the guys are like, oh, my God, Tim was sent home. But to see the door open and Tim walk in and be like, she sent me home, guys. They're all like, oh, come here, brother. It was it was hilarious. It was like, this is not what's supposed to happen. 100%. I don't know what you're doing right now, but you're clearly not here for Katie because you're here for the bromance. <laughs> every every time I every time I like walk by so Monday nights I go in, I sit down, I just play my Xbox for a couple hours with the guys. Like ah, that's that's what it is. Out. And you're uh, missing out. Th- th- this isn't the first time I've like walked by and seen the guys being like I'm t- I'm telling her uh, this this guy is not here for the right reasons. For the I'm, right I'm, reasons, I'm telling her. Uh, we're all here trying to do this thing, and and this is how the house feels. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm watching here. Is this sort of like, it's developing <laughs> some games. sort of uh, Hunger Games? Is it what what religion is it where they have like sister wives? <laughs> Are they? Is it, oh, well, it's it's that's. That's polygamy. It's not. It's not just set to one religion, really. Well, I mean, well, well yeah, but this, this, this is what's happening. Is what the end of the show is going to come and go, and the guys are going to come together and think. I think this is what's best for Katie. I think all of us need to just get together, and we're all going to be your husbands. This is how. Yeah, that's there's, work. there's been a couple. She's going to leave with like six of them. There's this yeah. been a couple moments this season where they're like the guys have said, you know, we as a house, and I like I hit pause on the, on the DVR. I'm like. The fuck is going on right now? Are they unionizing? Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. there a player association for the Bachelor? The Bachelor also, franchise? Also, Yo, it's in the CPA. You you can't you can't send us all home tonight. <laughs> yeah. So also the, the the other thing is asking them to um you know refrain from any sort of uh self care mm. in air quotes uh, for those at home that can't see this. Um. How do I? Broaches delicately. Uh, no, no. So, um, centric. Anyway, there's a byproduct of of those happenings when you know when th- there's there's a a a a build up and a dam, and when the dam releases, you know, you picture <laughs> that drama. That's what it's called. Yeah. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm talking about uh, uh, anatomy wise. There's a there's a, a dam release that would would uh, would come. Um, at the Are week we gonna have at, to reclassify it to ourselves. No, hold on, hold on. No, no. no. I know that at some point there's the what are the the fantasy suites where the they spend overnights yep. together. Yep. And she basically gets behind closed doors with three people. Right. She can with, choose all within a week, to, right? Yeah, she can choose to spend time with someone without the cameras, behind closed doors. What they do behind that is is and, up to and them. She's, and she's very sex positive, right? Drink she's if you're one playing that the has the drinking game. Sex positive. He said it. Yeah. She got a drink. Yep. And she has the anybody who hasn't seen it yet, do a quick Google search uh, of Katie Bachelorette Barstool Sports. You'll yeah, you'll, you'll see what what's going on. Um, so it's it's pretty much assumed that she will be with these individuals, right? Um, yeah, maybe it, it, it's a, it's a safe assumption. I mean, you know, consent is a big thing, and she can do whatever she wants. So whether it's yeah, one, so, two, or three, so you're gonna have three of these dames releasing. <laughs> within a week of each other 
<laughs> all in the same week. We are not medical uh, professionals. We have we have no take on this. We have no take. No, on this. no. It just seems very uh, gross. First of all, uh, but I don't understand like the 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 point of the ask or or why that was even. Uh, the point of the ask is drama. It's it's uh, the season. You know, this is my own personal take is the season is not getting us to where where we want drama or or fights or you know. <laughs> no, different guys are all in love with each other. <laughs> right. So so you got to do this. You got to say no 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 no. We know how this this works. <laughs> Elf wise. You know so what we're going to go ahead and put a stop to this. Yeah, you know what? Uh there's there's far too much relaxation that's going on here. We need to like uh we need to sort of pump the brakes. We need to get you guys a little worked up well, and no, stressed out. We got to get you a little euphemism for it, but Yeah, we got to let you a little uh we got to get you guys pumped up. <laughs> pent up uh aggression and it's needing some form of release and it's going to be in the form of fisticuffs and anger toward it, each other it's it's silly they, there's and it's just going to end mean, in a giant circle jerk with all 10 of them who are left <laughs> <laughs> no 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 sir it won't abc is a family channel that no they're sex positive now they're sex positive now when it's there's 2021 it's on at 8 p.m., not 11:30. You know what I mean? Uh, really it it does run so until it does run until what? 10? 10. Two yeah. hours long. Two 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 and hours of watching. I gotta be honest. Debate. The content is is never enough because there's too many commercials. It should be three hours once a week. It should be. Just imagine this: all the women who are into this, all the men who are into this. Mm-hmm. Imagine uh, you find out that your friend, your close friend, uh, is currently one of let's say 25 people dating the same person. In real yeah. life. And? and you were like, oh, all right, well, let's, I've been here before. I've got this practice. Let's work <laughs> this out. I'm going to help you. I'm going to coach you to victory here. Oh, You're going to beat out all 24 of those other people. No. Why do you keep you, using those euphemisms? Like, you, you know, would, this is our Rewo episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, you would then be like, dude, no, this is a shitty situation. Why are you dating someone who has one other boyfriend or two other boyfriends or three other boyfriends? You'd be like, nah, the hell with this. But yes, when you no. put it on TV and put some cameras, you're like, Tim, here for it. Tim, reality TV knows no bounds, knows no rules, and people sign waivers to go on that stuff, and they just they just do those things. I don't know. I don't I don't know how to explain it. Uh, but you asked my dark horses. Dark horses, Andrew asked Greg. I thought I thought Aaron, but Aaron got sent home this week. So no, you get one. You get one. Andrew S. He's a former professional NFL Europe uh, player. And former NFL players who are on practice squads usually go far in the Bachelor or Bachelorette universe. So, Andrew S. I didn't know. That's, that's, First of all, I didn't know that. And uh, I didn't even know there was enough European NFL teams to uh, make up a league. So, Well, yeah. Uh, he, he was a former NFL Europe like development player. There's a couple of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do this, like, you're, you've opened the floodgates because we do a bachelor draft, fantasy draft every year. Yeah. I'm appalled. No, you, you shouldn't be. I'm page. still in the running. Yeah, the loser has to take, like, a double shot of something terrible, and the winner gets some money. So it's, it's, it's fantastic. We do it with some I'll friends. It's great. I'll have to show you uh, my wife got a gift where somebody took Guess Who? And they replaced yeah. it with the faces of Bachelor contestants from previous seasons. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you play like Bachelor, guess who? Like she cut out faces, like the box is all doctored up. So now it looks like uh, we have the weird coconutty 
liquor drink in our fridge from one of the seasons, I guess. You I mean cruising rum? I don't know what this thing is. It's like a milky white something or other. Interesting. Speaking of we will. Anyway, we got to get out of here. This is getting <laughs> yes, out of hand. Yes, we do. <laughs> I'm going to send you this picture of our draft board, actually, here in about 20 seconds. As soon as okay, yeah, cool. Podcast. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for joining this episode of Stats and Redder Podcast. Completely off the rails. We will talk to you again next week. See ya. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs>